0: Technically, if we're going to break it down, the UFC did not lose on this trade, not because of Ben Askren, because of what everyone knows, casuals and hardcores. Everyone knows the greatest, quickest knockout in UFC history. Five seconds to Jorge Masvidal, the flying knee, right off the rip. Technically, it was three seconds, but Jorge landed one more shot while he was stiff as a board on the ground anyway. So you could call it three seconds, but it's marked as five. I'm ill, I'm ill, quicker than you average. I'm ill, I'm ill, quicker than you average. What the fuck I'm ill, the fuck I'm ill, quicker than you average. What the fuck I'm
1: ill, the fuck I'm ill, quicker than you average. And we are back on the dope log and we are discussing the excellence that is combat sports, specifically today, the Ben Askren, Demetrius Johnson, UFC one championship, air quotes, trade that happened, believe it or not, two years ago already, which is kind of crazy. It happened in October, 2018. And today, myself, Charles Day and my partner in crime, Tim Owens, we are going to be talking about it. Why you ask? Because we are gigantic fans of J- Demetrius Johnson. What up, cuz? What's up, man? We How have. You doing? T- I'm doing good. We have teased this episode a couple of times now, and I'm happy that we're actually going to talk about it because legitimately we are just big stands of Mighty Mouse, and pretty much we became one championship fans after this trade. So I think it's only right that we kind of do a – a look back and two years later who won this trade right so before I, i'm gonna read the off articles from back then so i can refresh everyone's memory about this trade but before i do that what is your first thoughts when we talk like when we think about this pretty much historic moment the first trade in mma history my initial first thoughts
0: and to not get too in depth because We'll, well, like you said, you have a couple things you want to read from back then. It happened right October 27, 2018. I was a little upset with the UFC, honestly. I, not that they were acquiring Ben Askren, but the initial thoughts, if I put myself back two years ago, I was upset they were getting rid of pretty much the best fighter at flyweight in the UFC.
1: I in mean, UFC history.
0: In UFC history. Now, don't forget, he did lose to Henry Cejudo right before the trade happened but that doesn't mean he couldn't have come back and fought again. I mean, he was the best. He was doing insane things, and and Triple C beat him. So that could have been a fun uh, rematch, and if, it, and if DJ won, then it could have been a fun trilogy. There could have been so much more at that flyweight division uh, than what occurred. So that's kind of my initial thoughts was how upset
1: I was with the UFC. You're right. We should actually explain real quick who Demetrius Johnson was at this point in the UFC. He was the UFC's inaugural first flyweight champion. He defended that title 11 consecutive times and broke Anderson's spider Silva's UFC record. Do I need yeah. to, here, hold on. Just because maybe that people are realizing, I don't need to say more. He was the first fly, flyweight champion and he defended the belt 11 consecutive times to break spider Silva's record.
0: Right. Oh, and I forgot he did fight Henry. So it would have been a a great trilogy. He already did fight Henry back in the day. That was how long ago it was. I forgot in 2016,
1: he did fight Henry Cejudo and beat him in round one. Okay, good point. So let's just run back how long Mighty Mouse's dominance was real quick before we get to 2018. And I read the 2018 news. He came from WEC. For those who don't know, it was pretty much a promotion for the lighter weights before UFC had these lighter weights, like, uh, li- like bantamweight, flyweight, and whatnot. So once that happened, all this talent came over. At the time, Uriah Faber was probably my favorite WEC person to come to the UFC. In uh, his first big headliner match, Johnson actually loses to Dominic Cruz for the bantamweight championship. That's back in October of 2011. Over yeah. nine years ago, the run he went on after that, he enters the the UFC flyweight tournament, wins one, two. He wins he wins two fights in the tournament, beats Joseph Benavidez at UFC 151 in September 2012 by split decision, and that's when he goes on his 11 fight run, and just it's domination. Like I, like if you don't know what we're talking about, we can't describe the masterwork that was this run. Go watch some of his highlights. He's the only person I've ever seen pick up somebody to do in a slam, and when by the time they're slamming him down on the mat, he's stuck in an arm bar. It's, he's one of the greatest fighters I've ever watched. Pound for pound, period. He could be the GOAT.
0: Yes, and, and most of those 11 wins are by a stoppage. I mean, you had a few, like John Donson went to uh, unanimous decision, there was only two others or three others that I remember. Tim Elliott's one that I remember. John Dotson, again, went to, went to unanimous decision. But other than that, it's, you, you look at his record, it's armbar, Kimura, punches, knees and punches, armbar, armbar, <laughs> guillotine choke. It's insane. He was just putting on clinics and on the ground and in the stand-up. It was just – he was an unstoppable character in the UFC, and that might have played a role in what occurred.
1: But it was it was insane, and then he loses to Henry Cejudo at UFC 227 in August 2018, right? And at this point in the UFC, and I'm this is from my memory, so if I get something wrong, I'm sorry, but I remember vividly the talks, the rumors of the flyweight division going bye-bye because Dana White's never been that big on the smaller guys, no puns intended, and Henry Cejudo beats. DJ, who's been complaining he's not getting the respect he deserves as the dominant UFC champion he is, a.k.a. not getting paid like the top guy he is, the draw that he could be, and in fact was. So he loses, and then two months after this loss, he's gone. He's no longer in the UFC. Henry Cejudo obviously saves the flyweight division when he beats Dillashaw, and with all the disrespect, Dillashaw was showing to an entire division. And good for him, Cejudo so kind of made his own legacy off of beating Demetrius Johnson. But two yep. months after his loss, all of a sudden, a bunch of us in the West are looking up one championship, thinking it's this third-rate 3rd third rate organization, and we come to find out it's probably the third biggest promotion on the planet when it comes to money and viewers. Like, one of their events recently drew 25 million viewers out in Southeast Asia. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and
0: and to... to- Talk about like um, to talk about the West's understanding of one trans championship. And why it wasn't so big at the time is because it wasn't really only mixed martial arts. It started as Muay Thai and kickboxing. And as and as you know, being a combat sports fan, Americans specifically aren't huge on kickboxing. Are definitely not big on Muay Thai. There are some people that love it, like myself, it and and other quote unquote hardcores, but to the average fan, they're not watching kickboxing and Muay Thai, right? So that's what they started with. So one was kind of this promotion where we're not really thinking of back then. Um, and they just started adding MMA fighters at that point. So it was a it was a weird transition um, at the time for a lot of fans, especially UFC diehards, right? So it,
1: this was the first major trade in mixed martial arts history. Our boy Ariel Iwani had the article, the breaking news October 27th, 2018, when he announced they officially agreed to release former flyweight champion at, for Ben Askren, who was a dominant welterweight champion over and ONE for about four years. He was in Bellator prior to that and then went to one. And at the time, I'm not a big Ben Askren fan, and I hated this trade. I was pissed. Essentially, I'm happy two years later because it made me a one fan I, and of gave me this whole other world of MMA to be a fan. of. And oh my God, we've said it once, we've said it, we could say it a million times. One is a great follow on Instagram if you're a fight fan. Just yeah, follow them. Yeah. You won't be pissed off you did. But I got another article up here from ESPN, and it's making sense of the trade is what it's called by Greg Rosenstein. Is it an actual trade? It says, This a quote. No, not per se, because it involves two organizations and fighters under contract. Athletes cannot simply be swapped. Johnson will be released from his UFC contract, free to sign with one, and Aspirin will be released from his one contract, free, free to sign with UFC. Both sides have agreed that these eventual signings will occur, which is big when it comes to business. I'm just, that's me saying that. Like, that's not what usually happens in combat sports or pro wrestling even, that they just agree to switch top guys. But that's what happened.
0: Yeah, no, it doesn't happen at all. Especially on one's part, they, they had to see kind of the writing on the wall, that they were getting the better character out of, out of it because looking at it from the UFC's perpe- perspective, you're looking at a guy in Ben Askren where you're going. He's 17-0 and 0 before he comes over. He's this unstoppable force that has not lost an MMA bout. So in the UFC's eyes, they're like, oh, this is great. And maybe one saw the writing on the wall like, oh, you want to give us DJ? Yeah, we'll we'll take him. Sure. And, yeah.
1: and UFC – in what you're, exactly what you're saying. Now think about that. One is the organization acquiring ESPN's top pound-for-pound fighter at the time of the trade or before the Henry Sojudo loss. DJ was the top pound-for-pound fighter in the UFC. This isn't 15 years ago, people. Yes, Bones Jones was still around. Like, And then one acquires them. Now here, I'll read off. This is still the same ESPN article. I'm going to read off some of Ben Askren's accomplishments because we did that for DJ. Ben Askren was a four-time All-American wrestler at Missouri, claiming two national titles. He competed in the 2008 Olympics. After college, he began training in MMA, eventually signed with Bellator. He became the promotion's welterweight champion in 2010 and defended the title four times before leaving to sign with one. He won the one belt in 2014. After his last defense in November, he announced he was retiring, and he he was remaining undefeated at that time. Now... I like what ESPN did because they say, what is one championship? Just to put in context, if you know what one is, most likely it is because of this trade. But this is how they described one two years ago. So just keep in mind, this is before major signings. Some may have scratched their heads wondering what the UFC's longtime flyweight champion would want to leave for a smaller organization. One, however, isn't as small as you may think. The Singapore-based company is one of the largest global sports media properties in Asia. The promotion's Kingdom of Heroes card earlier this month had 25 million viewers across all platforms, according to Nielsen. One founded in 2011 signed former UFC and Bellator lightweight champion Eddie Alvarez last week, at the time of this writing, to a deal he says that is worth eight figures. That's money. Yeah,
0: they were were paying money back then, for sure. And even now, I mean, not that it's changed, but... Yeah, for, for not being a known fighting organization, that ain't, that ain't light money.
1: And the same article, just for context, like we just said, also asked the question, is the UFC flyweight division in jeopardy? Two years later, we still got a flyweight champion. We just talked about him on the previous pod. So for context, that's how dire it seemed for the flyweight division in UFC that they were giving away their pound-for-pound best fighter. Yeah. And props to Cejudo because he kept it alive. And because you could tell Dana White was counting on Dillashaw to put the final nail in the coffin. Yeah, He was talking a lot of shit like he really thought he was going to do that.
0: Yep. He was talking a lot of shit ready to get rid of that division because he's like, all right, DJ, uh, DJ, uh, TJ, he goes down. That's it. It's over. That's over for the division. We're getting rid of it. But it actually changes out and Henry goes up after that.
1: And uh, I believe in Ben Askren's first UFC fight in March, 2019, he defeated Robbie uh, Lawler by technical submission in the first round. And that was his return to welterweight. Now he took two years off from his last welterweight fight and he did have a run of dominance in one, but our bar uh, for being nerds that just been watching the sport our whole life. If if you're fighting somebody in the 21st century and they don't have a Wikipedia, it's kind of telling. And one, two, three of his one championship defenses, no Wikipedia. Now that could be a, a language thing too, because I don't speak any of those languages, so I'm, I'm not going to put it past that they probably have a Wikipedia in whatever dialect they want over there, because they're in a bunch of countries in Southeast Asia. Correct.
0: But, yeah, and and to kind of comment real quick on the Robbie Lawler fight, don't forget that was a fight that. Was a hotly debated one because it was, like you said, technical submission. It was a Bulldog choke, which even it was Herb Dean refing, and, and shout outs to Herb Dean because he is the gold standard, other than uh, Big John McCarthy, who's no longer with the UFC. But Herb Dean was refing, and Robbie fought that initial submission because he was like, Hey, I thought you were out. You weren't responding. And Robbie was saying, I was. And a lot of people did not think Robbie Lawler was out because of that submission it wasn't due to a tap it was due to uh herb dean thinking robbie went out so you can go back and watch it and make the decision for yourself i'm on the side that you know you see his arms go a little limp you see his shoulders go a little limp he might have been out for a brief second and herb jumped in so quickly that he let go and robbie gained consciousness consciousness instantly so he's like, "Hey, what the hell? I wasn't out." It's like, but it might have been a millisecond. What, whatever, you, whatever you want to say about it, that was a hotly contested fight. So his first fight in the UFC, which is a win for for Ben Askren, is a contested one at that. So, and ironically,
1: his high. last fight in the UFC, which is a loss for Ben Askren, was in Singapore and was fight of the night. It was a loss to Damian Maya back in October 2019. So yeah. that's just it's just an interesting fact that he technically ended his career because I believe at this point of this recording, Ben Askren is retired, right? Yes, yeah. He's technically retired. I don't know if
0: he's been uh released from the UFC, but he is retired. So I'm sure he has a contract sitting out there. Um, so if he ever wants to come back, he can, but he, he's retired at this moment, according to him. I but you know how that is being released versus being retired, you know
1: Yeah, if he comes back, it's gonna come back to the UFC. I want to toss it over to you because you don't believe the UFC lost this trade. No, so so that's the craziest thing.
0: Hindsight being twenty twenty, right? The initially in my eyes, I hate it. Like I said, didn't like it. Thought they were going to lose on this trade and it being terrible. Technically, if we're going to break it down, the UFC did not lose on this trade, not because of Ben Askren, because of what everyone knows: casuals and hardcores. Everyone knows the greatest, quickest knockout in UFC history. Five seconds to Jorge Masvidal, the flying knee, right off the rip. Technically, it was three seconds, but Jorge landed one more shot while he was stiff as a board on the ground anyway. So you could call it three seconds, but it's marked as five. Greatest knockout, quickest knockout in UFC history, and Shot a rocket, propelled Jorge Masvidal, who was a longtime UFC fighter, a long time strike, strike force, I believe, fighter. Like he's fought in every promotion. Remember, this is a guy that came from the backyards of Miami fighting with Kimbo Slice on YouTube. Everyone remembers those. Everyone remembers those fights. He was that kid with the long hair that now he's a superstar. I mean, right now he has the best uh, pay-per-view, I think. Uh, was the Kamaru Usman Masvidal fight has the highest numbers of pay-per-view for 2020 for UFC. So losing for the UFC, they didn't see them winning in this, in this mode. They didn't see them winning with this trade by this happening, but lo and behold, it eventually turns out that damn, they won this because Ben Aspirin got knocked the fuck out. Sorry, Ben, but everyone knows that was, it, it skyrocketed Jorge Masvidal's career. You see him everywhere now. I mean, shit, he met with the president. Like, it was insane. It's insane what it did for Jorge Masvidal. It
1: It is insane. It is insane. (laughs) It's crazy, too. It's crazy because Ben Askren was considered one of the best fighters not in the UFC, period. Like, he was a top-five fighter outside the UFC. Yeah, 17-0, yeah. And him coming in, he was not only fighting what we considered a workhorse or a journeyman or one of those, you know, gatekeepers of the sport, because he was kind. Of, that's why Masvidal's a fan favorite. He's always been around. He's a workhorse, but he never got to the top and had a reign like that. So when he got matched up with Ben Askren, who was over in one for so long and kind of had this all-American, this uh, this sportsmanship type aura, versus what you said, this backyard Florida fighter, it was a complete clash of styles. So yeah, it did put over Masvidal but it couldn't have killed Ben Askren any worse because this dominant outside the UFC force got jobbed out in seconds, which is exactly the fear so many people have about these names that are made outside the UFC. Not all of them are valid, and I'm not saying even Ben Askren's criticism is valid because it was a different point in his career, but it's just crazy because you had one of the most dominant non-UFC fighters come in and get owned by someone who was essentially a gatekeeper for the welterweight division. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Basically, and
0: and remember to not really talk too much about Jorge, but it was him coming back. That's why it was the resurrection and all this other stuff, right? So it it was a it was a return for for uh, Jorge Masvidal to really show out. I mean, he beat Darren Till previously in the same year in March, and then he goes on to destroy Ben Askren. So it was a it was a telling time for Jorge because he was kind of out of the game. Remember before the Darren Till fight, he didn't fight for two years and that was be a uh, loss to Steven Thompson. He was kind of, I guess, testing the water, seeing what he's really going to do with his life. And he, he disappeared. You know, the stories are he went to a reality show. I forget where um, and all this stuff and, and kind of found himself. And when he came back, came back with a, a vengeance, man. And now he's the guy that we know today. So BMF champ. BMF champ, bro, BMF champ fought Nate Diaz, destroyed Ben Askren. I mean, he lost to Kamara Usman, but remember, that was him taking a last minute fight because Gilbert Burns could not fight because of testing positive for COVID at the beginning of COVID, the first fight island fight. He goes, I'll take the, what was it, a week or, or less, two weeks, something like that.
1: No disrespect to Masvidal. I don't think he's being the Nigerian nightmare with six weeks of training, so.
0: No, nothing. Uh,
1: Hold on, real quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is from two years ago. This is from Forbes by contributor Brian Mazit. Once again, this also quotes the speculation that the flyweight division's pretty much done. It, he does a good job outlining the diff, the cultural differences between one and the UFC, the UFC never successfully promoted its flyweight division, and it's never tapped into the nerdcore culture that Johnson could have been a champion to throughout his MMA career. Because of that, it was a bit of a waste of talent. Askren is a ready-made star who doesn't need much promotion. Mm. Wow. wow. I mean, he's yeah. not wrong. For 2018, no. he's not wrong. No. It's crazy. It kind of shows how, yes, UFC got lucky with Masvidal, but they completely failed with Mighty Mouse, yeah, com- exactly.
0: They complete. They literally they got lucky. It's not like they planned for this to happen. Obviously, it was it was insane. It's not like they planned for it to turn out this way. They actually were probably throwing Jorge because he was a vet. He was his guy. They were jawing kind of back and forth. They threw asking at him to expect him to beat for him being Ascan to beat Jorge. So even though I now looking back on it, obviously say yeah, UFC won in the trade. Not really. They just got lucky, like you said. They got and they won by luck. luck
1: because we could argue that one won by luck. They have one of their biggest stars, if not their biggest star, and they're doing great. They're doing numbers like you on their social media presence. They are using Johnson like the star we're saying he is and that he is in the sport, and they're thriving because of this trade. So it's not like they lost if UFC won. It's just, but the UFC didn't win in the way sports fans think of when you say who won the trade they pretty much got lucky they pulled like a boston celtics they traded a pick for the player and then traded that player for another pick it wasn't like the first trade worked out you know
0: yeah yeah that's exactly it so i still think if you if you look at it one did get the better end of the deal obviously if we're talking solely the deal if we're going to talk further down the line uh, you know obviously ufc like you said lucked out but one definitely
1: got the better end of this deal no matter what. Askren, yes, he's good. But at, what is he now, 35, 36? He has no chance in the welterweight division. Uh, of the UFC? Yeah, of the UFC, yeah. <laughs> yeah, bro, no. No, no, not only the UFC. He doesn't have a chance in the welterweight division in Bellator. He doesn't have a chance in the welterweight division in one. No, like, no shot.
0: No shot, on, man. man. No shot. He might one, he might be able to go back. I think it's some of the same guys. Remember, it wasn't too that, that too far off. But yeah, being 35 years old, pretty much was done with one, basically, right? He retired at one, and then he retired a second time. But specifically UFC, Ben Askren has no shot. Now, the opposite side of that, DJ coming back, even though, you know, not to jump ahead, but he, he's not – he wouldn't come back to 125 say per se if he came back to the UFC, right? He he said in an interview with, with our guy, Ariel, he wouldn't come back, right? Well, I can at, play that real quick. So It would be at so 135. Yeah, let, let the people hear that so they understand his kind of thought process of where he's at now. I'll tell you what, I'm not coming back to 125. I'll tell
1: you that right now. You'll never fight at 125 again.
0: No. Why? It's too much – it's not too much work, but, like, I feel like my body works better just natural right like I, I mean if I'm walking on 138 pounds and I have to and I have no fat on me I'm shredded as is right now and to cut down
1: to 125 it's just not healthy for the, the liver I'm getting older now I'm just like I'm not I'm not not worried about it and and I want to make clear for people because they might be confused by this even though you're fighting for the one flyweight championship flyweight at one is 135 so they might be thinking yes. what the hell are we talking about here so you'll never yeah. fight a 125 again that's that's an amazing statement considering you're the greatest flyweight of all time um, by the way how many fights you have left on that one contract um uh, I got a lot I'm
0: gonna retire one championship I'm not I'm not coming back to uh, this is my last stop I' tell you what I'm not coming Yep. So there you go. That's it. And and to, to kind of explain why he's saying, I feel natural at this weight, blah, blah, blah. If people don't know, one championship has a no weight cut policy. Very different from all the other promotions we have. I mean, you can cut some weight, but they don't want these drastic cuts. They want people fighting at more natural weights. That's why he went to 135, not 125, because he was cutting weight like that. To, to fight at 125, and they I'm pretty sure they even do it like um, kind of like Olympic and Olympic wrestling and college wrestling, and even high school wrestling. They do a hydration test, and they want to make sure you're not dehydrated. You're not cutting so much weight to get to the weight class you're fighting in. They want you to fight at a more natural weight. So he's been doing that for so long that what he's saying is this is the weight I feel good at, and I realize it's better to fight at this weight. I didn't notice that back when I was in the UFC, and fighting and cutting so much weight to get to where I wanted to be to fight. And I I don't disagree. I mean, it's probably better for you as an athlete to not cut that much weight so frequently. But, you know, I don't do it, so I can't
1: comment. And you were saying, okay, just hypothetical because this is the dope fight pod and me and you are nerds like this. We know he's not coming back. We just heard he's not coming back. Right. But you wanted to imagine if he came back. And I just wanted for everyone to know, not only is he not coming back, just make that completely clear before we just start imagining him in the current bantamweight division of the UFC. Because it's been two years, and that division, actually ironically enough, what annoys us both about this whole conversation, the divisions are thriving, and you can make the argument it's because he left. Yeah. Exactly. It's because he left and because
0: you know, a guy that's going to be tagline with DJ no matter what when you're talking about the uh, UFC is Triple C. Since Henry Cejudo left as well, he left those those belts open and now we have Piotr Jan who's the champion of Bantamweight.
1: Got them hands.
0: Got got them hands, right. Exactly. So Piotr Jan at Bantamweight, we have Davison Figueroa at uh, Flyweight fighting this weekend, don't forget.
1: Brandon Mourinho.
0: Uh, yeah, that's going to be a fight. But I don't see – you know, these are young guys in the Bantamweight division, very young guys. I mean, you got Piotr Jan, Aldermaine Sterling, Corey Sanhagen, Marlon Marias, and Cody Garbrandt, and Frankie Edgar as the top five end champion. So, you know, you got two older guys, uh, you know, Frankie Edgar and Cody Garbrandt. But I can see DJ doing some damage at 135 still. So, to make speculation and have fun with it, I would love to see him back in the UFC. But we – as you said, we we know he's not coming back. But I think he would – he could do some damage, especially if, like you said, he's feeling good at that weight. He wouldn't have to cut that much weight to fight at 135. I think it would be a lot of fun to see him back at, at the UFC. It would be great. You Frankie know? Edgar is
1: one of my favorite fighters, period. And yes, it is a local bias jersey in the house, without a doubt. So I would definitely watch Frankie Edgar versus DJ in a second.
0: Oh, oh my God,
1: yes. <laughs> Edgar has a, uh, has a puncher's chance, and he's also a good wrestler. I don't think he would beat. Demetrius Johnson same goes for Cody Garbrandt who got some better hands but I don't think he would beat Mighty Mouse I don't know enough about Marlon Morais or Corey Sanhagen to give them enough credit to say either or or you know so I don't want to even disrespect them because I haven't watched enough of their fights Aljamain Sterling would be a good fight you have to go with DJ because it's like one of those Mayweather things until I see him get his ass beat by somebody not named Cejudo I ain't worried about it correct correct but exactly. Peter Yan. As much as I love Mighty Mouse, he got those hands that all it takes is one or a combo and the fight changes. Yeah, it's very what, – what Piotr Jan can do is very scary. That's why it's like, hmm,
0: I don't know. I, don't I would know. like to see a
1: Dominic Cruz rematch with DJ, though, his like last loss at Bantamweight back in 2011. That would be a money fight right now.
0: Right. Oh, that would be – here. Here's one. Here's one. Here we go. Hold on. Triple C comes back. Gets his belt back, whether it's at flyweight, probably at flyweight, which would suck because DJ wouldn't fight there. But we're gonna speculate, right? That's what we do here. So (laughs) DJ comes back, gets his belt. Uh, not DJ. Uh, Triple C Henry Sudo comes back, gets his belt back. DJ gets off of the contract with one, comes back just to do the trilogy fight against Triple C. Come on, man. Come on. No, back
1: in the day, you wouldn't have to even get out of a contract. The two promotions just be like, fuck it, it's money.
0: Yeah, seriously, let will be like, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, trilogy fight. He's got his belt back. He wants that belt. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah, it would, be, it would be crazy. It would be amazing. But, you know, as you heard from the man himself, DJ is going to finish out with one. I think one has just been really treating him well. He might have a sour taste in his mouth from what occurred with the UFC, especially now that there still is a flyweight division. He might have accepted it more if there was no more flyweight division. You know, and that again, just speculation on my part, kinda trying to understand and get in the head of DJ. He might be a little salty that there still is a flyweight division. Because if it disappeared, he'd be like, All right, fine, cool. You know what? Fuck it. I'm I'm where I need to be. But now that there's still one, he's like, fuck the UFC. I'll stay at one. They're treating me well. I do a, a bunch of promotions for them. I'm he's their main guy, basically. I mean, he does all their press conferences. He's always shouting them out. Like he's always doing stuff for one. So I think he's just treated really well over in singapore
1: yeah i think it, it's a matter of dana white never treated him right it's, it's not that he would he hates the ufc for getting rid of him for no reason i think he's happy the ufc got rid of him and that he considers himself a one fighter more than he ever considered himself a ufc fighter because of how he's being treated yep exactly like fighters yeah. look at themselves it's a solo act they don't represent the organization or the promotion or the belt if they don't have it if they have the belt they represent themselves more than anything else they want to acquire as many titles as possible because they are prize fighters the fact that Dana white didn't see didn't know what he had i don't think there is any type of spitefulness if there is there shouldn't be because you're making money and the fans of the sport respect you so i don't even know if there's that animosity i think if the he would have the money would have to be right he would be like no give me my money
0: correct yep Correct. I can't agree more. I think, I think cause they are, we, we always remember they are prize fighters, even though we do have these organizations that are like, Oh, this is a one fighter. This is a UFC fighter. He's a Bellator fighter. At the end of the day, it's them. And I mean, their team trains them, but it, it's them in there. When that cage door shuts it, it's them. That's it. You ain't got nothing else except for yourself.
1: And you, you got to think for yourself. You got to. All right. And, and this is from South China Morning Post. And this is, uh, let me get the date. It's from 2019. It's from June 2019. So it's about eight months after the trade. And Dana White's talking because, as you know, Dana got a Dana. He's talking to yes. Brett Akimoto of ESPN MMA. And he said, I had a guy who was completely dominant. Every time he fought, he was exciting, and he always went for the finish. But people didn't care. Nobody cared whatsoever about Demetrius Johnson. Henry Cejudo might be the guy that people care about. Yeah. I guess. I guess. I guess,
0: bro. I disagree. I know what he's saying. I do know what he's saying, especially with the American fans. Yeah, but it's on him
1: because we cared. We watched the fights. He had you're saying, oh, he's exciting and all this other shit. You didn't market him. You were planning on getting rid of the division. Don't act like you weren't. Right, don't exactly. Months after the trade. Like, don't get me wrong, he's he's allowed to be more excited at that point still about Ben Askren. I think he got the better part of the deal. Believe that. But own where you fucked up. You're the promoter in this situation. If people didn't care, that's on you. You have a dominant guy. Guy isn't ugly. Guy can talk. He's literally one of the greatest people to ever step into the octagon. And you're saying people didn't care. That's on you. Yep. This yeah. Exactly. From wrestling. Exactly. I
0: exactly like. I I don't think. I I think it was yeah. It was the fault of the promotion because. Look at what we're looking at right now. They're, they're propping up Davison Figueiredo right now. They're propping him up, talking all this shit about, oh, 21 days he returns in this back-to-back. No other UFC fighter has done this, has gone from, one, from a month ago or three weeks, 21 days, literally, fighting in a championship bout to then defending his bout three weeks later on the next pay-per-view card. It's never happened before. But this, you're, you're promoting it now. He, I think he learned his lesson with what, like you said, with what triple C did, he learned his lesson. Like shit, these guys can bang. These guys can do what they want. I think it was, it was a matter of, they weren't so exciting in his eyes. And that comes from his, in my eyes and in speculation, as always, I think that comes from his boxing background of like everyone ever says, you would like to see those bigger guys just go and bang. And this this sport is developing to the point where a lot of people like the technicality behind the sport. More people are getting involved in the sport because they like not just the knockouts because there's still people that are like, oh, just knock them out. Blah, blah. We still got that. Of course, That's always going to be there but a lot of other people are getting into it because they see how technical it could be and how high level. Back in the day, we weren't like even the Chuck Liddell days, right? Tito Ortiz, Chuck Liddell, Rich Franklin. Back then, even, we didn't have these technical, technical fighters. Some people were, but not really. Now, every single one of these people from one to 15, including the champion in each division, has everything. They're so well-rounded that that the sport is evolving. You don't have this sport on ESPN without being
1: a major, major difference from what it used to be. You get what I'm saying? Oh, definitely. I agree 100%. We talked about it a little bit last week when we were saying about GSP being the GOAT, how GSP innovated the sport just like Spider Silva did, but in a different way. GSP was this well-rounded fighter. He was the first person that was good at everything. He wasn't just a striker that trained a little bit of wrestling or a wrestler that trained a little bit of striking. He trained in everything. And 10 years later, not even, you have smaller dudes just getting their shine in UFC. And Demetrius Johnson kind of was, to his weight classes, what GSP was to his weight classes. there there was nobody that could touch him because he was the first beast like that in this weight like this yeah exactly yeah
0: it's crazy so where we're at now is it's such a different game and I think you know Dana's never going to admit it but I'm sure he's kind of kicking himself in the ass that well maybe not because he's Maybe not, because he is like, ah, oh, well, we got that highlight out of Ben Asker and even though Yeah, he's a
1: politician, dude. Which you did for the cause you're a fan of everybody involved, including the promotions. You said, Well, the did the UFC lose because we got game breads run. Like there's an era. He's on the video game. This all happened with this highlight of this man they traded for. So you're right. And that's exactly what Dana White would say. He's yeah. never gonna admit he fucked up. Especially he's never gonna admit that they gave away essentially the most dominant flyweight to ever exist and one of the best lighter weight guys like phantom weights to ever exist to get a highlight for a welterweight that's never held the UFC welterweight title.
0: Correct. And I mean, I mean, let's be honest, we're in, in DJ, you can make that argument. We, we did a podcast a while back and you did a post about it about the top fighters pound for pound fighters in the outside of the UFC, right? Yeah. DJ ranks way higher in any, if you look at anyone, you look at topology, you look at just ESPN rankings, you look at any fighting rankings, even Wikipedia, DJ is up there on the pound for pound. Now he's, he's a little further down. I think he's like past 10, but everything you look at it's UFC fighter, UFC fighter, UFC fighter, DJ, and then more UFC fighters until you get far down on the list of top pound-for-pound fighters. And so, I believe
1: his con- and I believe DJ's contract, but to put in context, if you're one of these people, if you're not in the UFC, you don't care type of things, DJ is making $10 million off of his one championship contract. Now, to <laughs> some people, doing, oh, well, it's like, oh, what's $10 million? Especially boxing fans, they're going to be like, w- how, what is that, one fight? But for MMA, especially a fly-slash-bantamweight, a $10 million contract that locks you up for the rest of your prime. I don't know too many MMA fighters that are going to pass that up.
0: No, not at all. To put it in, in more context, we're not going to say Conor McGregor because he doesn't count. But Conor McGregor versus Cowboy Cerrone. I don't have the numbers exactly, but for Cowboy to fight Conor McGregor, I don't even think his base pay... Because remember, they do a base plus bonus plus incentives, all this other shit, right? Plus pay-per-view points, whatever, whatever. However the contracts are worked out, it depends on each fighter. He didn't even make more than a million as the base pay for that fight. And that's the biggest MMA star in the world he was fighting. I'm talking about Cowboy. Obviously, Conor made a shitload of money, but that's, that's he's, he's the purple elephant, right? Pink elephant, whatever you want to call it. He doesn't count. But when <laughs> we're talking about Cowboy, he didn't make that fucking much money when he, for fighting the best fighter in MMA. So yeah, I get if you're a boxing fan, you're like, wait a second, what? He didn't make over a million dollars as baseball. He might've at the end made a million. I don't have the numbers, but he didn't make that much fucking money when he fought the best MMA fighter. So that puts it in context for $10 million to be a, a one-off even, not no pun intended in one, but that's a lot of fucking money for a fighter, man. It, <laughs> it makes me upset they don't get paid more, but that's a whole nother conversation where-
1: and to make it even – to spin this even more positive for DJ, not only is he getting paid like that, but one treats the, the fights more ceremonial than UFC does. UFC has that good old-fashioned American, you know, blood sport feel to it, for lack of a better way of saying it. It's true. But over there, it's much more ceremonial. You'll see the dudes with gis more. You'll see, the, you'll see a lot more of the traditional stuff – that we kind of took out of the sport when we had Tito Ortiz is the biggest name in the sport out here in the West. So you know, there's different vibes. And depending on the type of fighter you are, yeah, it seems like you know the game breads and the Diaz brothers make more sense out here. But for a fighter like Demetrius Johnson, one makes sense. For a fighter like Ben Askren, one makes sense. A lot of it is, Matt, you know, we say it almost every week. Fighting is, a you know, a matchup of styles. And when it comes to which promotion you pick, it's the same thing.
0: Yep. Yep, exactly. You're, you're completely right. And, and I had to pull it up to make it so clear on how much these guys are really getting paid. This is from CBS Sports back when 246 was the thing. It was written on January nineteenth, 2020. So at the beginning of this year, right when the fight was about to happen or right after it happened, I believe. Here's the quote. Cerrone, playing the B-side in the fight will make a base pay of 200000 <laughs> That's it right there. Fighting Conor McGregor, the guy that fought Floyd Mayweather, right? The guy that made $100 million, obviously, in boxing. <laughs> he, the dude's getting paid 200000 as his base pay. Come on, man. That—that. That. I
1: mean, hold up. I'll take two hundred thousand to fight McGregor right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, listen. I will do the exact same. But being Cowboy Cerrone, a fan favorite, a guy who was who was in one of our favorite shows, Always Sunny, drinking fight milk. Remember that?
1: That is a great episode. Great fucking episode. Yeah. You know. It's only Sunny Drop. You won the podcast, guys. <laughs>
0: right. right? One of the best episodes. That's, that's Cowboy Cerrone. Making thousand dollars that's ridiculous. Ridiculous.
1: Well, he made $200,000 to get his ass kicked in about 30 seconds. So, Hey, good on him, man. Yeah, shit. Those shoulders, he
0: caught a couple shoulders, and it, and it was night-night. I know. I, again, one of those things where people were practicing shoulders in MMA gyms across the world after that. But, wait a second. Your shoulder's going do that? No, oh, let me try this out. No, I think your shoulders can't do that. It's just Connor is, again, a pink elephant and makes no sense.
1: Yeah, so. people people underrate Connor striking because of the Floyd Mayweather fight now and because he lost to Nate Diaz at welterweight when Connor should be fighting, probably at lightweight or featherweight. Um, yeah, come
0: on. And that was, yeah, that, I mean, and he lost to Nate Diaz on the ground. It's not like he lost in striking, you know. He lost on the ground, and then he got that back, even though it was a definitive win. He, like you said, he, people doubt his striking. His striking is unbelievable, Conor McGregor. It's really well. He, he stands off. He has a weird, really wide, almost like a boxer stance in the MMA ring. It really is. It's very wide, and um, people forget how good of a striker he is. And, they kinda, yeah, and, and in saying he's not that great of a striker with taking into context the McGregor-Mayweather um, fight, you're basically saying an F U to Mayweather and how good of a, sh- a boxer he actually is because he played with his food for six rounds.
1: Yeah, and to put know. in context of MMA, Conor McGregor wrecked Eddie Alvarez in, oh. in their lightweight title fight. Oh, Eddie Alvarez, after that, after that, signed the biggest MMA contract ever with one, and that was before this trade we've spent this whole time talking about. Correct. Like, Correct. there's rankings to this. And, and my boy Levi, he was never big on Eddie Alvarez. I know a couple of people that uh, were cool with Eddie Alvarez because they trained together, so I don't want to trash him too bad. But dude got paid over at one following a high-profile loss. I'm good for him. Make your money, man. Prize-fighting all day. But to think that he signed this record-breaking deal and then it feels like five minutes later, one acquired DJ – and from what I can tell, I think DJ is their highest-paid fighter. I could be wrong because oh, he's like, got to be. He's got to be. But I ain't finding one figures because I don't, you know, speak what they speak over in Singapore. So I'm not going to find it online right now.
0: Yeah, it's it's not easy to to figure out unless someone already did the calculations for us. <laughs>
1: yeah, like you said, base pays and all that. So off base pay alone, Demetrius Johnson's going to make ten billion dollars. That's not including whatever he does. If, if, you know, in these tournaments with the grand Prix I wish UFC would have more grand Prix. But anything else you you got that you want to add to this? Because me and you kind of covered this trade in its entirety. And the ironic part is, this isn't the first time me and you have even talked about this trade in life. I mean, <laughs> no, yeah,
0: I mean, it was like like I said at the at the top of the top of the show, it was it was really upsetting at first. And then being, like you said, making a politician version out of it. You're like, well, he did, we, you know, UFC got, got what they needed out of Ben Askren. If it wasn't him, we we got what we needed. But other than that, man, nah, nah, I just, I wish DJ was shown some more respect. That's, that's really it. That's, that's, that's what I have to say about it. I wish he had more respect from Dana from, you know, it might not have been all the UFC. It might have just been Dana himself. We're not back there. We have no idea. But at the end of the day, put some respect on his name because he, he's, the, he's the goat at those divisions.
1: Yeah, he really I, is. I, I co-sign everything you just said. And I guess I'll, I'll end with Ben Askren because I said before, I don't think he could come back and compete in welterweight in any of the three main promotions we talk about. That's not a disrespect to him. He The way he got knocked out with Masvidal that changes fighters. Let's be real. Like you're a human being that took a lot out of him. He's a little bit older. And to come back in your later thirties, with the way both UFC and Bellator welterweight divisions look right now. Right. I don't make no damn sense.
0: Right. And you know, to, to kind of add on to it, not to just keep talking shit about Ben, cause we're not, I, I'm a huge fan, especially his wrestling capability. He has zero striking. You can't get away with that in the UFC. You just can't having no striking ability, having no, no place to really understand how to stand up on your feet and fight. He's the best, one of the best wrestlers we've seen in the octagon, but that, yeah. that's really it, you know? So to say Damian Maya had better striking than Matt Askrin is a, is a shame. It's it's crazy. So that's his biggest problem. He never had a striking game. He was always good at just getting people down, working them on the ground, ground and pound uh, and, and submissions. So Yeah. That that's where we're at with Ben. I love the guy. He was, he's one of the funnest people. You know, he, he, he was a character that that is one of the things he did bring to the UFC, even to one, even a Bellator. He was a character, funky Ben Askren, man. He was just fun. He, he, he cut promos really well. He was good at press conferences. He was just a fun guy. Just didn't, wasn't well-rounded enough. And it shows in his three fights even though he won one of them,
1: uh, three fights in the UFC. Even though he won one, he just wasn't up to par. Do you think, because right now I want to make it clear, I wasn't a big on Ben Askren at all. I'm not going to sit here and hate the man because I would pay full price in 2021 to see him fight Douglas Lima for the Bellator World Welterweight Championship. I'll just put that out there. Yeah, that that would be a lot of fun. Um, See Lima try to get his win back.
0: Yes, I, I 100% agree there. I think the issue is the cat's out of the bag with Ben in the fact that now everyone knows there's no striking ability there, right? Um, yeah. So I think that's where, if we're talking about Lima, who's now really developed, because when, when did that happen? Years ago, right? That was a long time ago, right?
1: No, oh, yeah. Um, it was in it was at Bellator sixty four, April sixth, twenty twelve.
0: Yeah. So the development that Lima has had from that point, I don't think Ben has a chance. I don't. I don't think so. Unless he's been training boxing for the past however however much time since that last fight. So for the past year, he's been training boxing. I don't think, I, I don't think that's that's a thing. And what's crazy is now I'm looking at it. His last fight was. One day or a year and less than a year because it was 10 26, 2019, when he lost to Damian Maya. Remember that trade happened 10 27, 2018, right? Or 27. Yep, yep, you're right. So, literally one year later, Ben's gone. That's it. One year, one year,
1: just one year. That's it. Because he fought three times to his credit, fought three times. Dude, he was. I, yeah, I was gonna say, I'll give it to him for, for sure. He he
0: he busted his ass and and he came back really quick after that devastating knockout. I mean, it was it was what three months later he came back.
1: Yeah, when he fought. Roughly, Fortnite. yeah, which so, is which is ridiculous. But they wanted to get that uh, money over in Southeast Asia because it was pretty much Ben Askren returning to one championship's territory.
0: Correct, exactly. So they're like, we know we could sell this over there. They're going to come see him. But yeah, he's he's the he's the losing side of the number eight of according to topology the number eight greatest knockout of all time
1: so. <laughs> <laughs> and since then in his is three fights Dem- demetrius johnson is three and oh so we will continue to watch him dominate and like we said you should follow one championship on ig but you should also follow us on ig at the underscore dope blog where can they find you because they can find me uh, at T.Owens1105. That's
0: Instagram, Twitter, all the socials. Um, and, you know, some stuff on the Dope Blog, because we'll, I'll be there as well.
1: Yeah, at www.thedope.blog. I'm at NotTheChuckD on all the socials, and we're at the Dope Blog on Twitter, at the underscore dope blog on IG, and at the Dope Blog and podcast on Facebook. Thank you, and peace. See you. <laughs> I'm ill. I'm ill. sicker than your average I'm
0: ill. I'm ill. sicker than your average i you, you, I'm 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 ill. I'm i